Thank you, Matt. Can everyone hear me okay? If, do I need to readjust this, maybe? I hate to play with these things. Well, as Matt said, I am Deacon Dennis, and I've been a deacon here for one month shy of two years. And uh, it truly is a joy to be able to serve in this capacity. And I guess now, having been a lay Catholic for the first 55 years of my life, and now to see things from a little bit different perspective as to how people interact with their faith. And I guess my eyes have been opened quite nicely or uh, dramatically in some cases as to how all this plays out. So what I'm going to be doing is um, talking about why we need to participate in the new evangelization. Matt uh, has given us the definition and some of the other things that go along with that. So it's my turn to build on that, maybe reiterate or reinforce some of the things that Matt said, and then Matt's gonna follow up. He's gonna do the heavy lifting and tell us how to get the job done. So the whole goal of the day is to try and, or attempt to tie the new evangelization into the overall mission of the church. And it's not, not only the universal church that we wanna tie this into, but it's our own parishes here at, at a local level. You know, when you go home this weekend um, and go to mass tomorrow, just look around and see all the people that you, know, you might be able to reach out to. They're in the pews, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're evangelized. Matt gave a lot of statistics um, about the state of the church. Father Barron mentioned it. And I guess to me, those statistics do present an urgency, I guess you could call it. And why do we need to participate in the new evangelization? I think those, statist those statistics talk to us about that, but also turn on the television, listen to the radio, uh, read a newspaper. You know, the headlines this morning, I think, show us some of that. Um, you know, I say all our politicians are responding to what the culture is like. You know, I think a lot of those people are definitely trying to help, but I think they're just responding to where we are at. So we have a lot of work to do. A couple of statistics that Matt did not share was the one, and this one should scare us into action. It's been said that 85% of a confirmation class after five to six years will no longer be in the Catholic Church. 85%. Now just think, the average confirmation class is maybe 60 people. That means after, by the time they hit the age of 23 approximately, there will only be nine left out of that class who were confirmed. That's a scary number. And then one other one is that 10% of the adult population in the United States are former Catholics. So roughly 240 plus million adults in the United States, that's about 24 million people that used to be Catholic and no longer call themselves that or have stopped practicing the faith. I think it's very important that we understand the definition of what the new evangelization is because if we don't, I think we have a tendency to lose sight of why we need to participate in it. So let's reiterate the meaning. The meaning of it, of the new evangelization, is to reach out to those people who have been baptized, they've received the sacraments, 
they've maybe been involved in the church for years and now they no longer uh, are practicing their faith. So, like Matt said, it is our responsibility as people who uh, believe that Christ is our Savior and, and came to save us, we need to reach out to them and bring them back. To call something new means that there was something old, and I think uh, Father Barron and uh, Matt did a good job of explaining that. And when I think of the old evangelization, it's the missionaries that came to the United States, the Franciscans, the Jesuits, they just combed the country and the world and brought Christ and the church to the people who had never heard of him before. And then there's another form of evangelization or Catholicism that I, and I, that I think of, and I tried to come up with a name for it, and I really couldn't, so I called it evangelization through osmosis. You know, you've always heard of learning through osmosis. We used to tease our kids about that. But the way it works is family tradition. Uh, couples get married, and they're not even doing that so much anymore. The children are born into these families, and then the parents bring them for the sacraments with a minimal amount of catechesis. The children are then expected to remain uh, involved in the faith and to remain Catholic. So then as they come of age, they too are then expected to uh, carry on to perpetuate that tradition. This type of evangelization has been going on for many years, and it's certainly the case in my family. Uh, I'm using my parents as a benchmark, so at least 100 years, my dad would have been in his mid-90s if, if he were still alive. And the way that seemed to work out was the parish was the center of our activities. When I was growing up, everything was filtered through the parish as far as our activities that we did. So it, it, it had a very strong influence on us as kids growing up because that's where all our friends were. So ethnically, occupationally, and economically, everything was the same. But then along came the 60s and mass media, um, the sexual revolution was really taking off at that point. And then, it was mentioned earlier, Vatican II came along and there were some actual changes that took place, but there were also a lot of perceived <coughs> changes. And I think that's where maybe the church kind of lost her way for a while. The, the, the rails came off, came off the rails, I should say. So that osmosis evangelization, it kind of worked for my parents, but not so much. What it didn't do for us as children growing up in that age, it didn't explain the why of what it meant to be Catholic and the why of uh, why we should stay connected to the faith. And here's where I think of that quote by St. Yeah, Francis where he says, preach the gospel and use words whenever necessary. It's actually, I was told that it was never attributed to him. They cannot find anything that talked about that for St. Francis. But anyway, I guess I don't necessarily agree with that quote anyway, because not only do we need to live our faith, we need to talk about it too. And I think that's why we're here today. Vatican II um, got mentioned a lot in the video. Matt touched on it. I really think it's important for us to understand how Vatican II fits into the new evangelization. That's really the reason why it was called uh, into being in the first place. I really believe that the Council Fathers saw what was headed their way in terms of how the culture would affect the church and what those um, 
new things that are happening in the culture, how they would affect uh, us as laypeople. <laughs> Father Barron said the goal of Vatican II was to change models and prepare the church for dealing with rapidly changing with a rapidly changing world and to continue to carry out the original mission of the church, which is to evangelize. We're coming up on the 50th anniversary of Vatican II, and that's on December 8th, 1965, that it was closed. Vatican II gets much blame for what uh, has taken place. Many of the woes that exist in the church, Vatican II is sort of a, a whipping boy of that. I think that blame is misplaced. Some of the greatest leaders in our church were at that council. Cardinal Ratzinger, Cardinal Wojtyla, these are Pope Benedict and Pope John Paul II. These are very holy uh, men that have led the church and have done an outstanding job. Pope St. John XXIII, now Pope St. John, died after the first session. And when he died, Pope Paul VI took over. And Paul took the name, Pope Paul took the name of Paul because he wanted to indicate that, okay, it's time to really implement what was uh, brought forth in the council. So he took the, Paul, the name Paul just to show that. And he re revoked, he reconvoked the council after uh, John XXIII died because it automatically closed when he died. In doing so, he gave it direction, priority, and took over interpreting and implementing its mandates. He was met with a lot of resistance, though, because of what certain groups thought that the council said. So he was swimming upstream on that one. So the success of Paul VI as far as implementing uh, the mandates from Vatican II, you can debate that all day long, but I really do think that he was a prophet of our time because he predicted very accurately what the effect of the culture would be on the church. So on the 10th anniversary of the church, he implemented or promulgated the uh, document Evangelii Nunciandi. It was mentioned earlier. And this essentially means evangelization in the modern world. And this document has been seen by many to be uh, very important as it pertains to evangelization. And here's a Pope Francis quote that says, to my mind, the greatest pastoral document that has been written to this day. That's a pretty powerful, when I read that quote, I went and found the document again and reread it. I had read it once, but I reread it after that. And it really is profound. And I'm gonna use some of the uh, quotes out of there. And I think it's very easy for us to see Paul VI in Pope Francis in the way he writes now. Some of the uh, language out of that document I think we see certainly in the book that um, uh, the joy of the gospel and uh, now we uh, hear Pope Francis talking uh, using a lot of that language. So if Vatican II was the impetus or the motor behind uh, the new evangelization, it's quite obvious that the subsequent popes have taken up that banner and are running with it. Uh, like Matt said, John Paul, Benedict, uh, Pope Benedict even created a new dicastery in the uh, Roman Curia for the purpose of evangelization, the new, evangel uh, new evangelization. The new evangelization is based on a personal encounter 
with and building a personal relationship with Jesus, plain and simple. This relationship needs to be established before you can realistically be called a missionary disciple. You'll hear that term uh, used also. To be a disciple means that you are a pupil of and devote one's life completely, and that's completely, to Christ and join his mission with him that was established by the church, and which is to evangelize. Without this mission to evangelize, the church really has no reason to exist. Just think about that. Without evangelization, the church really has no reason to exist. Here's a Pope Pius XI quote. It is necessary never to lose sight of the fact that the objective of the church is to evangelize, not to civilize. If it civilizes, it is for the sake of evangelization. Hmm. I think we could use a little civilizing too these days, uh, just hearing what goes on over in the Middle East. From that first Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit descended on those present, the church was born and given the mission to evangelize. What about us as members of the body of Christ? When we accept this mission, we agree to teach what Jesus taught and promote the sacramental life of the church. It was said earlier, we can't help but share what has been given to us through the Holy Spirit, through the church. What a gift we have. So what are some of the reasons why we should participate in the new evangelization? Certainly all those quotes and all the stuff going on in our culture are uh, very important and should drive us there. But I have a couple more that I want to just touch on. And the first is, it is our baptismal calling. When I baptize children, and I do quite a few baptisms actually, I use the f one of the readings um, that is from Math Matt's Matthew's Gospel, and is the last three verses of that, and it's called the Great Commission. It reads, Jesus came forward and addressed them in these words, Full authority has been given to me, both in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to carry out everything I have commanded you, and know that I am with you always until the end of the world. When I do these baptisms, I sometimes recognize my wife Kim and myself in the parents that are sitting before me. We really were kind of clueless when we had our children baptized. That's not a reflection on us, we just didn't know. But I see us sitting in front of, that, uh, of me when I do the baptisms. They know it's something they should do as we did, but they don't know why. They really don't know why. So those people might be out in the pews, but they don't know why they're really there. There's where we come in. I usually give a short homily and remind the parents and the godparents about their responsibility. When we are baptized, we are baptized priest, prophet, and king, giving us the right and duty to proclaim the kingdom of God. There's a quote from Paul VI in the document from Vatican II, or this is Evangelium Nunciandi. The respectful presentation of Christ and his kingdom is more than the evangelizer's right. It is his duty. So when we agree to enter into mission, 
we agreed to preach and live and teach what Jesus taught us for the sake of bringing more people into the church that Jesus founded. We can't help, again, we can't help but share what was freely given to us through the sheer grace of God. So the second reason, our salvation and the salvation of others depend on it. I hate to be a Debbie Downer here, but uh, <laughs> this ultimately is what it comes down to. If we as Catholics, whatever we do, our lives should just permeate everything we do for the purpose of bringing more people to Christ. Uh, we're here today. Why are we here today? Following is a continuation of the quote that I read above from Evangelii Nuziandi, and notice how it speaks of salvation. It says, it would be useful if every Christian and every evangelizer were to pray about the following thought. Men, meaning all people, can gain salvation also in other ways, by God's mercy. Even though we do not preach the gospel to them. But as for us, can we gain salvation if through negligence or fear or shame, and this is what St. Paul calls the blushing for the gospel, or as a result of false ideas, we fail to preach it. Stop and think. Do we preach the gospel? Or are we ashamed of it, blushing for it? In recent times, there has been a type of universalism, I'll call it, the last few decades where it says, you know, go ahead, live your life however you want. And the belief is that everyone will go to heaven and the way they live their life has no effect on their eternal destiny. What's at stake with this type of reasoning and way of life? If promoting and participating in the new evangelization is not about salvation of mankind, you know, what are we doing here? What is, it? what is evangelization about? There's lots of things we could be doing today. I'll bet you have lots that you could be doing. So are we wasting our time, you know, doing things like this? I don't think so. The answer to why we should participate in the new evangelization can also be found in sacred scripture. Here's the most quoted Bible verse of all time. John 3.16, it reads, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. I think many people skip over the word perish when they read that. Is it simply enough for Jesus to have come and redeemed us? Holy Mother Church would say no, that we need to make a response to that gift so it becomes a reality in our life. We must say yes to the invitation to be his disciple and join him in his mission. There's a Vatican II document that Father Barron referred to called Lumen Gentium, which speaks to this. And in paragraph 16, he's speaking about the Catholic Church. And it reads, she knows that it is given by him who enlightens all men so that they may finally have life. But often men deceived by the evil one have become vain in their reasoning and have exchanged the truth of God for a lie serving the creature rather than the creator. Or some there are who, living and dying in this world without God, are exposed to final despair. Wherefore, to promote the glory of God and procure the salvation of all of these, and mindful of the command of the Lord, preach the gospel to every creature. 
The church fosters the missions with care and attention. There it is, that's a Vatican II uh, quote. There is much confusion about whether it is necessary to evangelize in our world today, but I think this quote sort of puts that to rest. So maybe we could say that evangelization is a life or death situation. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 reads, enter through the narrow gate. The gate that leads to damnation is wide, the road is clear, and many choose to travel it. But how narrow is the gate that leads to life? How rough the road, and how few there are who find it. That's kind of a convicting quote. Jesus, those are Jesus' words, and the church still teaches today that you know, hell is a reality. Father uh, O'Connor mentioned that in his opening prayer this morning. So it is a possibility for people to end up there. We all have someone who has stopped practicing their faith. It could be a sibling, a child, a grandchild, even a parent. And another scenario is that these loved ones may have left the Catholic Church for um, a Protestant denomination of some sort. And I often hear that, you know, people say, if one of their loved ones has left and gone to the uh, Protestant denomination, that at least they're going to church. And that saying kind of leaves me empty. I don't know why, but it just does. Because their true home is in the Catholic Church. And I think it should be up to us to uh, minister to them to bring them back. I want to just make a disclaimer here that I have many, many Protestant friends who have been a major impact in my faith journey. I love them dearly and they are a blessing to me, but that still doesn't mean that I shouldn't witness to them my Catholic faith and offer to walk with them on their journey to um, research, to learn, and with the possibility of them entering into the church. CEO is about personal witness. It shows why the new evangelization is necessary. And I guess maybe I'll share a little bit of my journey now. I have a few minutes here. Um, born and raised Catholic. You're going to get the real Reader's Digest version. But uh, born and raised Catholic, family of nine children. And um, I mentioned earlier about how we grew up. But all through grade school, middle school, high school, went to Mass every Sunday, probably count on one hand the number of times I missed. Went to college, was a daily communicant, went to Mass every day, and came here to Rockwell, still uh, very good Catholic, attended Mass all the time. Got married, same thing. Uh, you know, we went to Mass every Sunday, very, very seldom missed. But I did not know what that meant to me. I could have not given someone 10 words as to why I did that. And then it was when somebody invited me to a CEW. And this guy was very persistent and I was very resistant. And ultimately, I said yes. And uh, that was a game changer. It changed me from the core. Because what that did for me was it introduced me to the person of Jesus Christ. And what I saw were men, Catholic men, living their faith and that showed me what it really meant to be a Catholic. And you know, we talk about catechesis and all that. 
that will take care of itself. If you introduce them to Jesus, the learning, the, 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 all the doing that we talk about, that will come naturally. So it, that to me just shows the importance of us reaching out to other people. We were in the pews, but we didn't know Jesus. What this guy <clears throat> did for me is really a powerful thing. And, and the irony of this now is he sort of drifted away from the church. So it's, it's my turn now to maybe return the favor. The new evangelization is not for the faint of heart. It takes courage and conviction to do what Jesus is asking us to do as baptized members of his holy Catholic church. If the goal of Vatican II was to prepare the church to engage the world and transform the culture, it is us who need to recruit and train new missionaries through a personal encounter with the living God. You've heard the saying, and you've already heard it today, you can't give what you don't have. That was certainly me. So we need to solidify our relationship and then share it with great zeal. Don't be discouraged by the culture. Father, uh, I keep calling him Father Barron. Father O'Connor talked about it. You know, let's get the devil out of here. Everything we stand for as a church is being attacked and mocked by those in need of evangelizing both outside and within the church. Great things are going on in our church and the church needs our help to continue this movement. And I have one story of a young gentleman. He came to work at Rockwell, I work at Rockwell, and he came to work there as a mechanical engineer. I was hooked up with him almost immediately, and it sort of came out that he uh, was a member of FOCUS. Have, has anyone heard of that FOCUS Fellowship of Catholic University Students? What a group. Their three pillars are, let's see, I can see if I get this right. It's uh, chastity, sobriety, and excellence. These are young people who are infiltrating college campuses in droves, and they are bringing Christ to young people. So I got hooked up with him and we really were brothers at work. We enjoyed each other's company. We talked a lot about Jesus. Well, about five years after him being there, he told me that he was quitting his job and he was going into missionary work again. So he gave up a very lucrative career as a mechanical engineer and now he's living off donations. Him and his wife and two children are living off donations and Kim and myself support him monetarily as he does his work. What a gift he is to the church. And there's hundreds upon hundreds of these young men and women uh, that are out there doing this. That to me is what the new evangelization is all about. What a gift. And we need to support those gifts. I'd like to quote, close with a couple of quotes. These are by two Catholic women who are bloggers somewhere online. I don't even know which ones, but their quotes really stuck out to me. The new evangelization is an awakening to love. When we encounter Jesus, our hearts burn with his love. And this is evident to everyone we meet along our life's journey. We are all called to be evangelists as we open our hearts and risk sharing the joy of the gospel with others who may be like I once was, reluctant, emotionally barricaded and afraid. And then the final one is, the new evangelization beckons us to come out of ourselves, 
to become the face of mercy, transforming a culture disfigured by isolation and despair. Christ thirsts for the souls of angry atheists and for the invisible immigrant. He thirsts for well-dressed feminists and the unborn hidden from view. He thirsts for communion with his friends and he thirsts for reconciliation with his enemies. There's the new evangelization. Thank you very much. Thank you.